0: Okay. Um welcome back to the podcast. Um obviously we're going to be talking uh, trade deadline today. I don't know. I got I got free time in the room today. So I um I've been wanting to talk about a couple things. Been listening to some podcasts. So um I got a half hour while my laundry's in. So why not talk a little bit about the NBA? <laughs> Um, obviously, the big news out there was the Harden and Simmons deal. There were some other deals out there. I'm mainly only, literally, only going to cover Boston, the Harden Simmons deal, and the Porzingis deal, and actually the Phoenix deals. And then we're going to talk about the outlook on the East. But let's start out with the Boston deal. And I'm all, the Derek White deal. Fuck the Dennis Schroeder deal. I still think that it was like, it was just a weird trade, the Dennis Schroeder deal overall, in my opinion. Um, we basically traded Dennis Schroeder. For Daniel Tice, which is like, okay, I guess so. I would have loved a complimentary, just like, can shoot the ball kind of wing. But those the price of shooting is much higher than what I think we were going to get for Dennis Schroeder. So I don't know if that was exactly reasonable. I just, I don't know, man. I would have taken like THT straight up for Schroeder. But I, I don't know. We made the deal. I can't do anything about it now. I just got to deal with it. So let's talk... First about, ooh, actually, I have to remember. Let me write that down. We're going to talk about the Kings, too, because Kings fans are completely and utterly delusional, and it's kind of hilarious. Let's first of all talk about Boston and their Derek White deal, which I think went down to Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, our first-round pick this year, which is top-four protected. And then a caveat I didn't know existed, but now I do because I was listening to Zach Lowe and um, Bobby Marks. They have our 2028 first-round pick. It's top one protected, so they pretty much have an unprotected 2028 20, first round pick, and that may you may think, oh well, Tatum's gonna be 29, he's gonna be in his prime, so that really doesn't fucking matter. It'll be a late first round pick, and you're right, but that prospect scared me a little bit, right? Because so when it first came out, the first report we got was that it was Josh Richardson for Derek White, and the tweets made it seem like it was straight up. And when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, we finesse the Spurs. And then I found out that Romeo and a first were going, and I was like, okay, so we paid a fair price for him, I guess. And then I found out about this extra first round pick, and I was like, oh, okay, so we, like, we compensated for him. Now, most Celtics fans, and the most likely scenario... Is that this top one protected pick will never be anything? It will be a late first round pick, and maybe the Spurs draft a good player because it's the Spurs, but there's also a huge prospect of nothing ever materializing because of this. You know, that prospect is very likely, and I think it's the most likely outcome. However, in the pessimistic, boring, terrible point of view that I have, six years from now, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will be on different teams. Jason Tatum will be a Laker, and Jalen Brown will either be a Piston. A Hawk or a grizz or a Memphis Grizzly. Is that the singular for Grizzlies? Grizzly? A Memphis Grizzly? Hm, I think so. I think so. Anyway. Um Yeah, that's my extremely pessimistic view, and we can get into that one day. Um, about why I think those players will go where they are going or where I think they will go. Um and I hope I'm wrong on that. Like, y'all can record this take and spit it back in my face when Tatum resigns and when Brown resigns. but I, I hope I'm wrong, you know? I have the pessimistic view for a reason, because I hope I'm wrong. And I, I think that, if anything, it- this trade as a whole, the Derek White trade, because he looked really good in his debut, I think I'm, like, really excited about the Celtics team, man. I haven't felt this much hope about uh, the Celtics in a really long time. Like, a really, really long time. And I'm very happy about that. But... It shows that there's a changing of hands, right? This organization is going to be run a little bit different than it was in the past. Danny Ainge doesn't make this trade. Danny Ainge does not trade a rotational player, a borderline rotational player, and two first-round picks for one starter, you know? An above-average starter. Danny Ainge does not make this swap. And we, me and my friends uh, got into uh, this when it happened and when it actually didn't happen was the uh, Gordon Hayward-Miles Turner swap that was going on, right? When um, Boston was debating that. And this, this was where I was like, no, I don't want Danny Ainge in the front office anymore. I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast and all we had really heard is that Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward, you know, it, the lies were blurred and it kind of fell apart. And what I heard from my sources that I trust, which mainly are through the wire and Zach Lowe, because they have yet to be on some serious bullshit. And also Zach Lowe pretty much predicted the Harden deal. He had Brian Windhorst on, and they together were like, yeah, it's probably going to happen. Like, I don't know, but it's probably going to happen. Anyway, Zach Lowe reported that Danny Ainge asked for Miles Turner, a first-round pick, and either Brogdon or TJ Warren for Gordon Hayward. Now, mind you, if you did that trade like last year when Gordon Hayward was having an all-star campaign in Charlotte, that's one thing, but this is when Gordon Hayward was like... A good starter. He was like fifteen, five and five. I'm pretty sure somewhere around there. It wasn't. It was. It, it was. It was Danny Ainge trying to finesse again. Right. That was a problem with, with that I had with Danny Ainge is that he wasn't willing to make any trades unless unequivocally he was winning the trade, and that really bothered me. And when I heard that that Pacers report was true, and I'm sure Will and Dominic are rolling their eyes at me right now because they have contested that that report was completely false, and they have contested that that wasn't true, and that. You know, for some reason, Miles Turner and a first-round pick was too much to ask from Indy. When we asked for Brogdon, we asked for TJ Warren. We wanted one of those two with Miles Turner and a first-round pick to come to Boston, which is way too much to ask for for Gordon Hayward at that time. Anyway, Danny Ainge was always trying to finesse, and Brad Stevens is now showing that he is willing to pay the price for players. Two first-round picks that probably won't amount to a lot. Josh Richardson, who's a vet, whose contract will be up after, I think, next season. And a uh, somewhat promising rookie, you know, just take a flyer. Or not rookie, sorry, young player. Just take a flyer on Romeo. Maybe he can be something. Maybe the Spurs can develop him into a 3-and-D wing like the Celtics had been trying to do. It shows that there's a difference here. And that's, that's what's also giving me hope is that Brad Stevens is going to be someone that they that people want to trade with nobody wanted to trade with Danny Ainge because he was always trying to finesse nobody wanted to trade with Danny Ainge because they were scared they were going to be the next ones to get finessed and I, I saw a couple of tweets that was like every time someone has talked to the Celtics they feel like they have evaluated assets at their market value and that they have done a good job and I think that is Derek White's trade is a great reflection and it's just it's just nice as as Celtics fans recently a lot of our acquisitions haven't really worked out Kemba didn't really work out the way we wanted him to Fournier didn't really work out Schroeder worked out pretty well um I'm trying to think of other Josh Richardson apart from like the last like three weeks wasn't really working out that well um I'm trying to think of anybody else I'm probably forget- uh Gordon Hayward didn't work out well at all Kyrie Irving didn't work out well at all and I mean knock on wood but I'm really hoping that that this Derek White thing works out because it looks like it's going to work out. So in terms of Celtics talk, I think that will be it. I just like that. I like what we did. I think it not only acquire it gets our roster to push push forward a little bit. I hopefully we'll be out of the play man. The East is fucking competitive, dog. The East is competitive, man. But I I would I would just love for us to be a top six seed. I think. In terms of the top five seeds in the East are pretty solidified. I think the Heat Cavs, Bulls, Bucks, and Sixers will be in the top five in some order. And then I honestly believe it's between us and the Raptors for the sixth seed. I think that the Nets are going to continue their slide that they're on. Ben Simmons is going to take time to get allocated. Kevin Durant's not going to be back for another like two weeks. And then Kyrie Irving's only playing half the games. Um, That was an interesting caveat too that's important to note. Bobby Marks, who was the GM of the Nets when they made, like, all the awful deals with the Celtics. So, I mean, take his word if you want or not. But he is now an insider in, for the NBA, and he was on the Zach Lowe podcast. And they were talking, and Bobby Mark said, hey, man, I'd be absolutely shocked if we see Ben Simmons before Kevin Durant comes back, which was kind of interesting to posit. And he made the argument that you're not going to put Ben Simmons out on an island, like – the reason Ben Simmons wanted out of Philly is because there was a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and the nets is a better situation. Cause there's less responsibility there. And so it was like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense, but that's neither here nor there. Damn. The Raptors are on the eight game one streak. I didn't even know that. <laughs> They're really surging. Someone tweeted out the other day, um, Van fleet, Gary Trent and, um, Scotty Barnes, Loki, a big three. And I was like, Hey man, you ain't even tripping too hard. Um, yeah, that was that was a really cool tweet. But like that made me that made me realize the whole Ben Simmons situation. We might not see him for a little bit, a little bit longer than I thought. And then it's still like the that's just have so many questions. Like Kyrie Irving really fucked this shit up. Like I respect his i i I don't even respect his decision. I really don't. I think he's being a fucking baby bitch boy, and I think that everything like I i I don't hate Kyrie Irving. Because I don't. I think that a lot of Boston fans unjustly hate Kyrie Irving. They like to remove context from the season and instead just put all the blame on Kyrie, which isn't fair. I just don't like it. I, I don't like his decision in general. And I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's like, dude, this is like all your fault. Like, kind of. But my, uh, the next thing is weird, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Harden situation, because I am an avid James Harden hater. I, I hate James Harden. I will tell, I'll be the first one to tell, I fucking hate James Harden. I think he's a pussy. I think he's a diva. I think he runs from the grind, as Dame would say. And I think that he is a player that is not a championship. Like, if if the Brooklyn Nets had won a championship, I'd be so happy that Kyrie has another ring. I'd be relatively happy that Kevin Durant has another ring. But I'd be pissed that James Harden has a ring. Because he's a fucking bitch. And a fraud. He's a fraud. This is another opinion I cherry-picked from Zach Lowe, and I'm confident saying it because he was so adamant about it. I, I I dare you to find a playoff performance from James Harden in a crucial, critical game. Not when they're down 3-0 or up 3-0 or down 3-1 or up 3-1. When it matters the most, James Harden folds like an omelet, bro. He folds every single fucking time. It's not the LeBron situation where people cherry pick the bad things and that overshadows the good. There is no good in James Harden's playoff career. There isn't. I I mean, my 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 strong, strong opinion is that the 0 for 27 streak that they had against that Warriors team, that's on James Harden. That's that th- when that happened, I was like, all right, fuck James Harden. No, I don't want James Harden. I hate James Harden. That's when I picked it. It was like there. Because you are the superstar. You you are the guy. It's your job to hit that bucket when your team is ice cold. This is going to go off on a crazy tangent. I don't give a shit. I want to talk about this. You are supposed to be the one that comes in and stops the bleeding. The reason 2019 Kawhi was so fun is because... Whoever they were playing, whether it was Milwaukee, Philly, the other team would go on like a 7, 8-0 run. And then Kawhi Leonard would dribble down the court, find his spot in the mid-range, hit a mid-range, stem the bleeding, get a stop on the other end, boom, out in transition. Now they're only up four. Now the run is cut. James Harden was unable to do that. James Harden has been unable to do that in the playoffs. And that is what really bothers me. That 0 for 27 streak, you can blame D'Antoni. No, D'Antoni should not... It did the right thing. You could say D'Antoni should have capitulated. He should have changed it up a little bit. He should have said, hey, you know, let's maybe do inside instead of outside. Let's stop shooting as much because it's clearly not falling. Let's get some easier looks. Let's see that basket go in. No. I understand why Mike D'Antoni stuck with the system there, right? And this is completely unrelated and it kind of means nothing. and It's kind of pointless to talk about. But the moral of the story I'm saying is, fuck James Harden. I'm a James Harden hater. And when all the reports started coming out that he was unhappy, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because I I am an adamant believer that if Bruce Brown doesn't fall into Kevin Durant's knee, James Harden is never traded. If Kevin Durant doesn't get injured, there's no reason for James Harden to get traded. Sorry, excuse me. Um, if if It's just like this Nets team is just such – it hurts my brain to think about it. That's what it does. It just hurts my brain. I hate James Harden. I, I guess I respect Kevin Durant a little bit. I, th- I still really don't like Kevin Durant the person. And I love Kyrie Irving. Um, I, and this, it's, just, it's just head-scratching. There are so many things that had to go perfectly wrong. Like, a lot of times I'll shit on organizations because they're talking about if everything goes perfectly right, then we'll compete for a championship. And you can't bank on everything going perfectly right. Everything had to go perfectly wrong to break up this super team. Right? I think we saw that with the Warriors, too, that everything had to go perfectly wrong. Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson both had to just get completely taken out of the playoffs in order for them to lose, because that's how much of a juggernaut they were. They needed two of their top three player, top four players, depending on who you're asking, um, to be just completely wiped off, and they still came damn close. I, I, everything had to go perfectly wrong, and everything, unfortunately did go perfectly wrong for them, And that's really sad. But it's also like, I didn't want another super team to win a ring. And I, I'm going to talk about this later because I don't think it's 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 fair to gloat about being like, ha, I predicted that's when not win a championship. Let's talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Let's get another trade. It was Harden and Paul Millsap for Simmons, Curry, Drummond, and a first round pick. Or maybe two first round picks, whatever it was. Now, I I, I like this trade for Brooklyn, obviously, because the fit of Ben Simmons is a really, like, lick your lips, like, holy shit. A lineup of, a closing lineup of Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and then I might put Patty Mills in that lineup. I might say, fuck it, three-guard lineup. I kind of like that. I really like that lineup. I don't know how much I love it defensively. You're kind of putting a lot of pressure on Ben Simmons to play like elite defense. But if that team is if that lineup isn't that bad defensively, that's that's a death lineup closing games. Me and Dominic were in the party the other night talking about how the Celtics lineup of Smart Brown, Derek White, Tatum, and Robert Williams is a stupidly good death lineup. That's a really good death lineup, and I love that lineup come playoff time for us. However, that Nets death lineup is crazy. If Ben Simmons is able to accept the role as a center, which I think I think Ben Simmons will be much more open to just like taking a step back and accepting the role that the team gives him, I I hope he can recognize that he is clearly worse than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and we'll see. But I I really I really like this trade for both sides. I don't know if I love it for either side. Um, because I can't love this trade while Kyrie Irving is half gone because at the end of the day, for me, the, one of the reasons why I did, I did really like this trade for Brooklyn is they recouped some of their losses. They gave up their whole future for James Harden and had James Harden walked in free agency, it would have looked really fucking bad. Now they have the insurance of Kevin Durant, but like, how good is Kevin Durant going to be? Who's to say Kevin Durant doesn't request out, you know? So getting those picks back, they recouped some of their losses from the from the Harden trade, which is is really good. I'm proud of them for that. And I, I I I like this for Brooklyn. I think that I think that instead of just building a normal roster around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they went the super team route, which is perfectly fine. If you are able to form a super team, you form a fucking super team because we all of us know anybody who watched that team knows if. Everything hadn't gone perfectly wrong, the Brooklyn Nets would be owning the NBA, you know? That being said, I think that going, you went the route of the super team, it didn't really work out. Now you're going the route of, well, let's just surround our two superstars with really good players, And I think that this team is going to be really good. Will it be this year that they win a championship? Probably not. And then we have to see what happens with the New York mandate and what happens with Kyrie. Kyrie has a player option. He has no obligation to Brooklyn. We can see Kyrie Irving switch teams again to a city that doesn't have... Excuse me. That doesn't have the vaccine mandate. And hopefully that... That won't happen. I mean for the sake of Brooklyn Nets fans, I don't give a shit. I'd like Kyrie to go back to the West. I'm a fucking Celtics fan, man. I don't want I don't need the Nets in my conference. <laughs> but it'll be interesting. A lot of a lot of the Harden trade for me is let's wait and see. You know, we have to see how it's all gonna meld together. I don't know if anything will come to fruition this year. James Harden is guaranteed on the Sixers next year. And I'm just I'm just waiting for the Harden playoff meltdown to happen. And I'm waiting for the Philadelphia playoff meltdown to happening. And someone tweeted out, y'all got Embiid, Harden, and Doc Rivers. We about to see the greatest meltdown in history. And I was like, oh, shit, dude. we going to see a 3-0 lead blown. <laughs> it, it'll be crazy, man. But the, the, the Harden and Kyrie deal is like, hey, or not Kyrie deal, sorry. The Harden and Simmons deal is like, hey, both teams got better. But we really just need to wait and see. Um, I like the prospects for both teams. If it gun to my head, I have to pick one of the two teams to win a championship first. I'm taking Brooklyn. But that's because I don't believe in James Harden. I don't believe that much in I I believe in Joel Embiid. I don't believe that much in Doc Rivers. But we'll see. All right. Sorry. Drinking a little water. Moving on to the most confusing trade I have ever seen in my life was the Porzingis deal. And again I'm going to keep referencing Zach Lowe because I was listening to him maybe 20 minutes ago. It it was like kind of a salary dump. It was like a little because of the way that Dinwiddie's contract is structured, yes, his his max what he can get paid is 18 mil for the next for this year and then the two years after, but his last year like only like 5 mil is guaranteed. So it was it was like kind of a salary dump. It was like a little bit of a salary dump. Davis is on an awful contract too because he couldn't even he wasn't getting minutes on uh Wizards team that was incomplete. The Wizards are the 11th seed. They were 2 and 8 in their last 10 and Davis was still getting DNP's. That's fucking hilarious. Hold on, let me pull him up on basketball reference because um what the hell? Davis Bertons. Oh, I didn't put the accent over the A, so basketball offense yelled at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, this year, dude, he's played 34 games. He's played 34 games this year. Are you kidding me? Um, Let's go to game, pl- game logs. Oh, my God. Out of their last 11 games, he was injured for one of them. So fair enough. He was inactive that night. Okay, so let's scratch that off That, Out of his last 11 games, or 10 games, sorry, he was DNP'd five times. He was inactive against Brooklyn two days ago because they were going to trade his fucking ass. But, like, and all of these, it's, like, O for 1 from 3. All of them, it's just O for 1 from 3. It's literally, like, like look at this. It did not play. 8 minutes, 12 minutes, 12 minutes, DNP, 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 7 minutes, 5 minutes inactive. That's fucking crazy. For a guy making 18 mil, you're paying a man 18 mil to sit on your bench, bro. That's wild. The Latvian Laser, one of my favorite nicknames in sports. But when I saw the deal, I was like, what? Why the fuck are you doing this? You're just going to piss Luca off more. And a lot of it, the argument that Bobby Marks made on the Zach Lowe podcast is that Porzingis had kind of been this cloud over the organization. And it was kind of like, it was just like, they're not, you know, him and Luca aren't good together. It's not great together, whatever. You don't sell an asset that low, though. And it's just like the Dinwiddie contract, none of it makes sense to me. I think you could have gotten something better for Porzingis in terms of fit. Because you have that ball handler. If if you want to pay Spencer Dinwiddie $18 million a year for this year and next year and possibly $18 million the year after, why not just pay Jalen Brunson $20 million for the next three years? I don't get it. I don't get it. Because Spencer Dinwiddie is awful. He has been horrible this season. No one can deny that. Even the biggest Spencer Dinwiddie fan can't deny that. And Jalen Brunson has been playing so much better and is only really demanding two or three more million dollars. Luka also loves Jalen Brunson. For me, when I saw this trade, I was like, okay, so they're letting Jalen Brunson just walk in free agency? Like, that's kind of weird to just admit that. And if you're going to do that, why not trade him and get some fucking assets for him? It was just like, Dallas has kind of shown over the past couple years to be an extremely incompetent organization. There was a great piece after they lost to the Clippers um last year, I think it was. Yeah, because I was it wasn't COVID year. Um, Zach Lowe invited a guest on his podcast and I forget, I couldn't you could probably go find it if you wanted to. Um it was sometime like right after the Mavs lost in the playoffs. Basically the guy came on and told Zach how like toxic and gross it was in dallas and how poorly run the organization is right now and how bad of a state it's in right now and this just like continues to show it so that was a really weird trade to me and talking about inept because like i just don't i don't understand that's what really got me it's like okay so you're admitting 100 hold on not really sorry kenny tweeted out being able to say you picked off brett Favre as a flex he threw the most interceptions in NFL history and, in my opinion, is the most overrated quarterback in NFL history. Um, no, that's not a flex to say you picked off the most intercepted quarterback ever. Anyway, a little football talk. I'll start a football podcast. No, I won't. I'm talking out my ass. Um, we're going to talk about a football podcast later because he was talking wild. But if we're speaking of inept franchises, which I think uh, Dallas is really rising – it's rising through the ranks of, hey, this franchise has no idea what the fuck it's doing and needs to be stopped. Like, this is, this is just another... Like, Dallas keeps doing things that we are going to point to and be like, well, that's why Luka left, because they did that, and then that, and then that. And this is another mark on that fucking calendar. They traded Porzingis for two horrible contracts, two just objectively bad contracts, and they let Jalen Brunson... Walk, I'm assuming they let Jalen Brunson walk in free agency. We'll see. Let's talk about the King's trade. Because that that was kind of like a holy shit trade when it happened. Um, I was in class when ha- all of these trades, by the way, happened while I was in my statistics for science class. So I haven't been paying attention for the last two classes, which is hilarious because I hate that class. But the king's um it was it was interesting, man. The the trade as a whole, I don't really like I don't like it as an NBA fan if we're just like taking a step back and looking at the auras of the NBA and, and what the Kings should have done. I don't like it. The justification I've heard is the Kings can't justify another fucking rebuild. They really can't. And I agree with that. I understand that, that you can't justify another rebuild. And that's true. Hey, man, they're, they're like genuinely just pushing and pounding away to be a ninth seed. And that's fine. If I My problem is, if I am a Sacramento fan, I would be fucking pissed about this trade. Because if I am a Sacramento fan, I would rather rebuild than just cap out at a ninth seed. Because that's really what this team... In the Western Conference, Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox is literally going to cap out as a 9-10. T- like 7-9 through nine seed. And that's really I I would hate it as a fan. I was I was in King's spaces the day of the trade, and all of these Kings fans were talking about how, you know, the Kings won the deal. Yeah, I love Halliburton, but this is a great deal. Like I'm so happy. Like I'm like people were like very supportive of this trade, which was very different. The Kings subreddit. And the spaces on Twitter were two completely different places, and I tend to trust Reddit more. Reddit tends to be like more basketball nerds that kind of know what the fuck they're talking about. And Twitter spaces tends to be casuals because it's fucking Twitter. I-, I wanted I was in class, so I couldn't like raise my hand in the Twitter space. I wanted to raise my hand in the Twitter space and be like, y'all are tripping ass. As a Celtics fan, this is awful trait for y'all. Because it really is. I-, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Why why would you set your sights on the nine seed? as your goals if my friend like I understand the argument of this franchise hasn't done shit so capping out at a nine C, at least it's something is like this argument at least it's something I don't agree with that I think that meddling as a, a mid-tier team is a horrible thing to do and I think that if you had jettisoned off De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons which, we don't know how that deal went. Like, uh, this is all opening Pandora's box. You could have done something better, is, is just my thing. It's just weird. Other teams were refusing to call the Kings about Halliburton because they thought he was off-limits. They just assumed he was off-limits. Because why wouldn't he be off-limits? And it came out that the Pacers didn't want fucking De'Aaron Fox. Good. If I could have gotten... Yes, the Pacers like, pretty much won this deal because I think next year, two years from now, Terry Halliburton's going to be a better player than Demontis yes, like, Sabonis. Right now, right now, if you ask me today who I'd rather have on my basketball team, I'm taking Tyrese Halliburton. On literally every team in the NBA, if I was a fan of them, I'd be like, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. Give me, give me, give me Halliburton. Thank you. And it's because I'm a huge Halliburton fan. Those Kings jerseys are going to be on sale. I'll probably go buy one right now. But it was just like, it was like, I understand why you're doing this, but this is also a really stupid fucking trade. Because you're just going to prolong your team from ever being a true competitor. It's ah, uh, it was stupid in my opinion. <sighs> so the last trade we're going to talk about is um, the Phoenix Suns two trades. They they brought back Torrey Craig and they got Aaron Holiday. They're just cleaning up around the edges. I don't know, man. Steph's slump seems to just be what he is now. It's it's really weird. I don't know, man. I I don't know what the fuck Steph Curry's on. Um. Here, let me look. I'll pass the reference really quick. It's just because like. I know, he's shooting 38% from three, and people are acting like he's fucking, you know. He's shooting 42% for the field, though. That's pretty bad stuff, considering. All can, all things considered. I don't know, man. His last couple of games, six for 16. One for 13. Jesus, that's a stinker. Six for 10, three for 10, seven for 14, four for seven, four for 10, three for eight, five for 16. Yeah, man. It's just like... He he he's just being really inconsistent and it sucks because this Warriors team was really fun to watch when he was like on his shit, on his shit. So we'll see, but it's like it's like Phoenix is really good, man, and people keep I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I was so diehard for the Valley last year in the playoffs. I just don't believe in them. I don't. And maybe it's the same way that I didn't believe in the Bucks last year, which made me eat that all-time terrible take. But I don't believe in Phoenix because from what they've shown me, I don't really have that much of a reason to believe in them. You know, they beat a battered Lakers team in six. They beat... um, Who the shit did they play in the second round? Oh, my God. Because I knew they beat the Clippers, but wasn't that the Western Conference Finals that they beat the Clippers in? Because the Clippers beat the Jazz in the semis. Who did the Suns play in the semifinals last year? They played the Lakers in the first round. Oh, my God. Did they play the Nuggets? Yeah, they the Suns and Nuggets. Because there was the Suns and Four guy who got into a fight. And the Suns ended up whooping their ass. And then they went to the semi or the conference finals and, like, Loki almost lost the series. It was six. It was six, to be fair, to an extremely injured Clippers who won. And then they went to the finals, went up 2 0 on the Bucks. I had my infamous podcast and my infamous Twitter rant. And then they lost four straight. Poetic in a way, you could say. We'll see. We'll see what the Suns do. I I I I am of the mindset of I go off what I have seen before, and what I have seen before is that maybe not trust the Suns that much. We'll see. It's crazy to me. Oh, I guess, yeah. They have a pretty sizable lead for the one seed. But I think Phoenix just, they got better around the edges. What do you want? What do you want me to say? They got better around the edges. They're looking really good. They're looking like the best team in the league. But regular season winning doesn't always convert to playoff winning. And we'll see, man. We'll see. I I mean, Chris Paul gets injured. Devin Booker gets injured. This team's off the rail. But you could say that about any team ever. Let's close this podcast out. How about that? We're going to look. We're going to talk about outlooks in the East. And this is where I will bring up the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the wisest among you will remember the James Harden trade day. That was actually the first day I ever dropped a podcast. So, shout out to me. That was podcast number one was the James Harden deal. Um... A couple things I remember vividly saying in that podcast. One, the Cavs were the biggest winners of this podcast, of the trade. And yeah, yeah. So far, it kind of looks like, yeah. Out of the James Harden deal, the Cavs were easily the biggest winners, securing Jared Allen. And, oh my God, what else did they get? I mean, they ended up getting Karis LeVert. Right? In the original deal, they didn't get Karis LeVert, but they ended up getting Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, um overall, I think I I mean I just thought the Cavs were really um were winners when the trade happened and, and, and considering looking back on it. I said that they were the biggest winners when the trade happened and hindsight has confirmed that, even more so. I also said and I, I could find this tweet a couple times that the Nets weren't gonna win a championship. The Nets were a second-round exit with James Harden on the roster. That, that is an actual tweet I had. The Nets are a second-round exit, which is true. This Brooklyn Nets team was only a second-round exit. I'm right. However, as much as I do like to flaunt my takes when they are correct and when they look correct, everything is optics. And if you are someone who said you didn't believe in the Brooklyn Nets, you are not allowed to brag about being right today strong opinion sports which is a football podcast that I kind of recommend he has some he's kind of a weird guy but I like it he's like he's unapologetically himself but he's like clearly a really weird like kind of weird dude and he's a football guy so it was weird when he made a James Harden trade video but he made a James Harden trade video talked about it whatever the brunt of the video was him being like, I told you so. I told you so. Look at this take I had about the James Harden deal. I told you so. And that bothered me. Because if if for anybody who predicted that the Nets wouldn't win a title as a super team, which I did, I said it's not going to work out because there's only one ball, you know, the egos aren't going to match up. Who's going to take the step back? It's just not going to happen. We have to worry about injuries and all this shit, the supporting cast. I My main prediction actually was they won't win the championship their first year. They'll win the championship their second year when they better the roster. And putting Patty Mills on this roster, putting Marcus Aldridge on this roster, if Kyrie Irving is vaccinated and if James Harden is healthy and if Kevin Durant is healthy, this team's easily steamrolling the NBA. So I, I would have been able to have my cake and eat it too either way. The moral of the story is if you said that the Nets weren't going to win a championship ever, you are not allowed to be proud of it because you are just removing context from the situation. If James Harden isn't injured in the first like 30 seconds of the Eastern Semis last year, we don't have this. If Kyrie Irving doesn't roll his fucking ankle on a freak play, the Nets probably win a championship, man. I, I, like, you, if you are someone that doubted the Nets, you are not allowed to say, bring me my flowers today, because so many things had to go wrong, and it's so, like, out of left field that this super team got broken up. So you won't hear me being, like, puffing my chest about this take, because I think that it's a subject, it was, it's not a subjective take, it's just, like, it's not a take you can be proud of, because... You didn't use your basketball knowledge to predict this take. No one could predict what happened. No one could have predicted this when the James Harden trade happened. So any predictions you made back then are completely, oh, sorry, I hit the mic, are completely and utterly just, you can't, you cannot brag about them. You can't. So that's all I wanted to talk about. In terms of outlook for the East, listen, man, I'm a huge Milwaukee Bucks guy. I think that in terms of just contention in the East right now, it goes Bucks, Heat, Sixers. Um, just because the Bucks and the Heat have the experience together, I think it's more likely coming into next season that the Sixers and Nets are the one and two. I think that's what's going to be. Listen, trade deadline deals, man, they they tend to be hard to meld with. If we look at just last year, Vucevic and Levine, their pick and roll only started to work in like the last like seven games of the season. But I think that the Heat and the Bucks, just because of their swagger, they're like, I don't give a fuck who you are. We'll play you and we'll beat you. Mentality and everything about that is really good. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, man. I would love Joel Embiid to get a ring. I would love for this Brooklyn team to work out, but I just don't think it'll happen this year. I think they'll be really good next year. I don't think it's going to be as quick as people think it is. I think there's going to be a gelling period between Harden and Embiid. But we'll see. I think, I think the outlook for the East... He hasn't really changed that much. We had this talk in the group chat. Will was saying, hey, man, the Sixers are going to win, you know, six and five. That was what was happening in the group chat. I mean, Dominic, were like, yeah, I, I question the fit a little bit, but they're superstars, man. They're going to figure it out. Um, So thank you so much for listening. I think I'm going to end it off there. Um, Like, share, rate. I don't fucking know, man. Thank you. Peace.